So the art of neighboring, I'm excited to talk with you guys. We've been in this series, our third week. We've got to get going on the, on the things back there, right? We've got to get kind of kicked into gear. We might need to start passing those out maybe so that we can get everyone some time because we probably have some already. We just need to, uh, to sit down and, and write them down. But if you could write those down, that's kind of a cool thing. And again, it's not, we're not trying to be religious about this and like forcing people to do things. It's more of just like, let's just keep tabs on this. You know what I mean? Let, let's, we're trying to shift our mindset a little bit and really focus in on being neighbors, being good neighbors. I mean, that's a part of the gospel is just learning how to be a good neighbor to the people around us. And it's like, um, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a healthy step for us to learn how to do that and to start stepping out, stepping towards our neighbor, which I'm extremely excited about. And I'm going to share a little bit about with, uh, with you today. So, um, you know, the art, if, if some of you aren't familiar with this, we're reading a book called The Art of Neighboring. Who, who doesn't have a book? Does anybody not have a book? Anyone need a book? There's books in the back. Do we still have, Parker, do we still have books in the back? We still have books in the back on this thing. They're free on the, on the info table. So grab one of those. They're free. Take one. If you need an extra one, I think this week. So if, you, if you're sharing with your uh, loved one then, um, and you need another one just so you don't have to do that, then go ahead and grab one. So. But it's a really good book, and it's very simple, a very simple read. And we're going through things together on that. And there's information back there about what chapters, because we're kind of reading some of the chapters out of order a little bit, but, but it's real good. But today, specifically in week three, I want to talk to you about the time barrier. This one's going to hurt. This one, it hurts me. <laughs> it was hard to, I want to talk about the time issue. We're going to talk about some of the barriers to being neighbors. And one of them is how we invest our time, right? Investing our time, because it takes time to sit down with people. It takes time to reach out to them, right? And a lot of times, that's our biggest excuse, right? And we're going to talk about fear later, but today, I really want to jump into this thing about time. And for the last two weeks, Parker, I I, I really, we we weren't here. We were in the Smoky Mountains last weekend, which was awesome. Saw a bear every day, one of them, I got to tell you this bear story, it was, it, it was dumb. It was John Richter stupidity, right? So a lot of my stories are st- my stupid stories. So my stupid story was, was the bear came right across our front porch. I was sipping coffee. If you can imagine, I'm just sitting there just chilling, reading, some, reading the Bible, reading the Word a little bit. And all of a sudden I heard this like, boom, these footsteps behind me. So I look behind there, there's a bear. I mean, it's like 15 feet right behind me. And it doesn't care that I'm there. So I stand up and I look at the bear and I, I see the, lo- the rail. I'm like, I want to watch it, but I want to be behind that rail. So I go behind the rail and I'm standing there and I'm watching this bear and it just, just kind of, it doesn't care. It's just kind of moving its own pace. It goes out and so as soon as it's out of my sight, I run in and I go, there's a bear, there's a bear, go to the front porch. So we go to the front porch and we're all like there, you know, we're on the front porch behind the rail. We're watching this bear and it goes right past the rail and right starts to go down in the woods and I can't see it. And I still want to watch it. So I go out, and right where its path was, I go out to its path, and I start walking behind it a little bit, looking at it. And all of a sudden, it, like, it's down in the woods, and it, it turns around and sees me there, and it goes, like this. Just turns around, literally. Like, it was like, don't mess with me. Like, it just did this thing. It was so funny because it didn't, it didn't keep coming like it was going to come. It just stopped. And, of co- I mean, I moved fast. <laughs> I moved really fast. I was inside that house, like, right now, I was like, man, I still got it. I, I still got it. 
That was my bear stories. But anyways, so driving back, we got to, um, driving back from South Carolina, it's so awesome. You don't realize we got this, this beautiful thing called Facebook. And we, you know, we're, so our, for our Facebook friends that are out there right now, welcome. We're glad you're here. Glad you get to watch. But we got to watch it so it records it on Facebook so you can go back and watch our messages. So if you miss messages, you can actually go to Facebook and, and watch it. It's kind of cool. So Kim and I listened to Parker's message. It was wonderful. And we're talking about the great commandment, right? And how God commanded us to, you know, what is, what's the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That's the number one priority in every person's life. And then love your neighbor as yourself. So in Mark 12, you know, I, I looked up the Greek word for neighbor, and it's the word plesion. And this is what it means. The one who lives nearby. That's deep, right? That's some good preaching. That's basically what we've been taught. Like, like when we, we, we make up what our neighbor is, and it's kind of a euphoric term. <laughs> and what Jesus is saying, love the one who's nearby you. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. Anyway, no one else thought that was funny. Yeah, that's really good, John. Love the one nearby you. Right? Love the one nearby you. So the great commandment gives us our life priorities. Our life priority is to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The, our second priority, right, which is married to that, is to love our neighbor. Love the one who is nearby. Love the one who is nearby. That's the message that Jesus gave us. That's our priorities in life. Right? You're like, what am I supposed to do? Love the Lord thy God. Right? With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love the one that's nearby. Right? And then Parker shared about the neighboring grid. Ah, it is the grid of shame. I'm sorry. It's my shame. I mean, for me, it's the grid of shame. I mean, I, I could probably put in 20%. I mean, it was, it's pathetic. You know what I mean? When I look at my grid and how little I know and how, like, I, I, let's just, I just have to be honest. Like, I'm like, my neighbors are like, my priority number 15, you know what I mean? I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. I, I, I'm, I, you know, I am a, I'm a bad neighbor. I mean, you go ask any of my neighbors. I don't even know if they like me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, that's that guy, right? And so I am a bad neighbor. I'm, I, I'm, I'm thankful for this series, right? And I don't know, some of you are like, oh, my gosh, let me get out of here. I, this, I'm, this guy's supposed to be the senior pastor, and he's a horrible neighbor. Yeah, okay, well, you're welcome to leave. I'm sorry. Or some of you are going like, yes, I can totally relate to you because I'm right where you're at, John. You know? And so, um, anyways, this is about learning and growing, right? And I'm so thankful for what um, Holy Spirit is doing in our life because this is really important, right? We talk about our mission statement is to walk daily in the power and presence and love of the Holy Spirit. That's what our journey is. That's, that's what following Jesus is, learning to walk in the power, presence, and love of the Holy Spirit. And who are we walking towards? We're wa we should be walking towards our neighbors. We should be walking towards those who are around us, right? And those are the people that we have, honestly, we have responsibility for. We've neglected that responsibility somewhat. I know that I have personally. And so, you know, we can laugh about it a little bit. You know what I mean? I hope we can because, you know what, this is what I'm secure in is who my identity is in Christ, you know, because part of this loving your neighbor is learning to love yourself and value who God says you are. And so I'm growing up in this, and I'm going, oh, 
You know, I don't feel shame about not loving my neighbor, but also like I'm invited. I feel like Holy Spirit is inviting us in to something bigger and better. And I, and I love that journey, right? And so many times we want to do big things in life. How about just love your neighbor? <laughs> like what you're doing, Paula and Joe. I don't know, you were telling me some of the stories of some of the things, but you're just loving. You know, they've been helping people move and into different places and really been investing, right? And no one sees that. But, you know, to me, Joe and Paula are like the superstars in the kingdom. That's what the kingdom of God is made up of, of people like Joe and Paula, right? That no one, all of us around us, we don't even see it, but they're just investing into their neighbor. They're investing into the people around them. They're loving them with all, of, all that they are, right? Jaquita, too. Jaquita is an amazing neighbor. So let's read some scriptures here because I really want to dive into this because remember I said, like, my neighbors are like my 15th priority. Like, how do I get, what do I need to do to get from the 15th priority up to the number, at least the one or two priority? Like, how do I do that? And what's the steps that we've got to take? And so I, I think there's some scriptures that kind of help us out. If you, you can open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read a few scriptures there. And then we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. So Matthew chapter 13, it's up, it should be up on the screen here. Now, this is a long parable. I'm not going to go into it. I really want to focus in on just one of the aspects here. This is the sower and the seed. And right, there's a sower and he goes out and he sows seed and it falls on the different soils and everything. One of the soils that it falls on is, is a patch of thorns. And that's the one that I think is really applicable to us today when we're learning on the time barrier. So verse 7, and then we're going to jump to verse 22, which is actually the explanation of verse 7. Others fell among the thorns. So when they sprouted, the thorns choked, right? The thorns choked them. The one sown among thorns represents ones. This is verse 22. The one sown among thorns, the seed sown among thorns, represents one who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions... All of life's busy distractions, his divided heart and his ambition for wealth, result in suffocating the kingdom message, and it becomes fruitless. It becomes fruitless. So this is kind of what we're talking about, right? God, Jesus has given us a commandment. He's given us clear direction. He's given us clear priorities for what really matters in life. And we allow these, busy, these life's busy distractions to get into the way, right? We allow them to steal or to choke the word that he used to suffocate or choke out the message and we become fruitless, right? We become fruitless. And so it's very important that we, one of the things that we have to do is we have to evaluate our priorities, right? And, and ask the question, are my priorities for life in line with Jesus's priorities? That's a good question. And I think a lot of preaching, if you really think, I was thinking about this the other day, is to help us to reflect. And what I hope from this message is that you take some time to just kind of reflect on your life. You know, kind of reflect on your priorities. Reflect on how your time is invested. Right? I mean, like, look at how your time is invested. And evaluate that, and then how do I maybe, maybe make some adjustments, right? How do we change it? How do we, you know, some of that requires some repentance and, and not in a repentance like, oh my gosh, tears and weeping and crying. It's just like 
Repentance is just change how we think about things, right? We change our perspective and how we think about things. And that's what Holy Spirit is inviting us into, is changing perspective of how we view the people around us. So in order to take the great commandment seriously, we must create space in our lives to build relationships with those who live near us. We must create space in our lives to build relationship. It requires us creating space, creating time, right? Devoting time and energy and effort, right, to build relationships with people around us. That's what it requires. It sounds simple, but it's difficult when we have all these busy distractions happening around. And if you look at my life, yeah, you're going to see this. I mean, I, I, you know, there's a lot, I have a lot of busyness in my life. And I need to question that. I need to like go, okay, why am I so busy? Right? One of the things for me personally is I believe life maximized, life lived to the fullest is when my schedule is full. Like when I look at my schedule and it's full, then I consider that really living life. Right? I mean, that's what, for me personally, and every, some people are different on that. I get that because everyone, there's different personalities, and I'm not trying to project that on everybody. But for me, when I see a full schedule, I go, oh, yeah, I'm really living today, right? And I'm not saying that's a, like, a, uh, like a mental thing, but it's just subconsciously when I look at my life, a full schedule says I'm really maximizing my time, and, I, and I, you know, that can be a core value, and I need to question that. We each need to question that. When we say, I don't have time to get to know my neighbor, what we are really saying is, I don't consider getting to know my neighbor as important as everything else in my life. When I say, I don't, when I, when I say, I don't have time to get to know my neighbor, what we're really saying is, I don't cons- consider getting to know my neighbor as important as everything else in my life. You know, I was going to tell you that, like, when I, you know, I, I just kind of a funny thing when I'm sitting there and fill, filling out the neighboring grid, the neighboring grid. I'm, I'm going to try to follow Parker's direction here, not the grid of shame. The neighboring grid, I'm filling it out. I'm going, like some of my neighbors, I'm like, I don't even want to know that about them. Why would I even? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, like, I don't have any interest in going to visit that person. And that person over there, I don't care either. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just being real, right? And, you know, that's, that's not good, right? But that's part of the, the going through the exercise is, is like evaluating those things inside of us. I've developed this apathy because I have this schedule that I'm on, right? And we become apathetic to those who are around us, right? And that's not a healthy thing. That's not what Jesus called us into. He called us into love. To me, the opposite of love is really apathy. We become very apathetic. And it's important as we go through this series to, to be honest and real with that. There's, there's, again, The cross has taken care of everything. Isn't that awesome? Let's just live in the beauty and the wonder of the awesomeness of the cross. There is no shame. I can be real and honest with you, and there's no shame. It's not like God's up there going, John, you're ridiculous. You're an idiot. I told you to love those neighbors, and you will not obey me. You know what I mean? Like, that's not who we serve. That's not who we love. That's not how he sees us. But he's inviting us into something amazing. right? He's inviting us into a new lifestyle. And it looks sometimes different than what we're currently living, right? John Ortberg said this, and this was a quote right out of the book, and I loved it, I borrowed it. 
Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Listen, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Just think about that. Just think about the reality of that. Like, think about the reality of the Good Samaritan, right? That story that Jesus tells us. Like, if I, when I read that, I see about maybe 24, 48 hours of a person who was on schedule, heading in a direction, and totally steered off for 48 hours to help somebody he had no clue about. Think about that. Now, how many times could you see yourself doing that? How, I never could see myself doing that in my current state of thinking. That just means what? It needs to mean that there needs to be change. There needs to be a transformation inside of me. I really haven't got this love message because Jesus turns all the time for me. He turns all the time for me. He turns all the time for you. He's, he invests time and energy for us. Are we willing to go to do the same thing for the person? But it has to be, it, it begins with eliminating hurry. There's actually a book, it's, what's, it, what's it called? The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And like, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little nervous about reading that book. I have to get up a little gumption before I read that book. I, I, I'm not saying I don't want to read it, I'm just like a little nervous. I got to be in a, in a right mental state when I read that book. I'm being too honest with y'all. I'm being too honest, but but hurry, right? Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing hurry people don't have. Love always takes time. Love always takes time. Let me say this. Hurry, it, hurry in our lives, and this, this is like coming back at me. Hurry in our lives is a sign that something's not quite in line with Holy Spirit. We were talking about like walking in step with Holy Spirit, right? Like walking in the power, presence, and love of the Holy Spirit. When we are experiencing hurry, we're rush, 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 right? We need to stop, and if that's kind of a regular rhythm of our life, it should be a sign to us. It's kind of like putting on the blood pressure, right? We put the, you go into the doctor's place, and they take your blood pressure, right? And it's a quick test, and when that blood pressure is too high, those numbers are out of source. They go, something's not right. You know, hurry is a sign that something's not right. That's high blood pressure, right? Something's not right in our lives, and we need to kind of step back a little bit, all right, and reflect on why am I in such a hurry right now? What's going on? So let's turn to Luke chapter 10 for a little bit. I want to talk about, I really want to get down and dirty in terms of some really practical things that we can do, and I think... I love Jesus. You know, Jesus is a, an awesome example. I mean, he spent three years, accomplished everything that he needed to accomplish, fulfilled everything that he needed to fulfill in three freaking years. Now, you can say, well, he was full-time. and all, Ah, come on now. Okay, if, you t if he wasn't full-time, it would have been 15 years. I mean, that's t a lot more than what, all, the, what we have, right? And he was never in a hurry. And how many times do you see in Scripture he's turning off to the one? He's turning, he's turning, he's turning, right? He, he modeled for us a lifestyle that was in step with Holy Spirit, and it lacked hurry. It lacked a lot of hurry. I mean, he's turning and he's like, hey, let the kids come. Let the kids sit on my lap. I'm going to spend time with the kids, right? Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, this is from the 
Passion Translation. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha. I think it's interesting that Martha welcomed Jesus into the home. It doesn't say anything about Mary. Mary, you know what I mean? I just think it's interesting. Martha, like, pursued him out. Come, come, stay with me. Come, in, come into my home. I want to feed you a meal. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every, every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated with finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. I love that. Like, it, like, isn't that beautiful? Like, here she is. She's totally distracted with all these things, right? She's making bad choices, if you will, right? She's, she's focused on the wrong things. She's not focused on the most important things, right? Like, this is a good example where the good things, right, are the enemy to the great things. That's a good one, right? I mean, like, you, you really need to evaluate our lives because there's a lot of good things to invest in around us, but it not, might not be the great things. And what Jesus says, the great things are loving God and loving your neighbor, or is a part of that great. That's the great, right? Okay? And I'm not saying that there's not good things. But Mary is, or excuse me, Martha is really consumed with a lot of good things right now that aren't necessarily the best things. But Jesus, just, I just love this, right? It's not like, Martha, quit it. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't, like, it's just so loving. My beloved Martha, John, John, slow down. I have so much for, more for you. You're trying to get it all done in one moment. I'm, and this is like, this is my personal view of this, right? For me. Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? There's it again. Same word that, right, we talked about the, the distractions, the busy distractions, the, the things that rob us and choke us, right, from the previous parable that Jesus was telling us, right? That seed falling in the weeds. What are the weeds? They, those are the distractions. They distract us from the great things in life. Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by these many distractions? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Right? That's so good. I love that scripture. And that's a good example for us about, you know, this whole idea of during this journey that we're on in terms of the art of loving our neighbors, we need to reprioritize our lives. We need to look at our life and, and look at where we're spending time and make some really good decisions on that, right? We're, the one thing God has done is God has empowered us. He has empowered us. There's a reason why he doesn't come down and say, you got to do this, 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 this. Go work here, go do that. Because we, as his beloved, get to make choices. Love always requires choices, right? It's always a choice. There can't be control associated with that. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to live 
intentionally. We need to live intentionally according to the priorities. And we need to uh, make sure that our priorities are in line with his priorities. Kim and I recently sat down uh, this summer with our whole job change and everything. And, um, and I shared this once before, but it, it's real applicable right now. It's just it, recently in our lives. I just, we just sat down. And it's really interesting when you get to 50, 51 years old, like you start looking at life a little bit differently, right? I mean, it's just so interesting. Like, for example, when you're 25, Izzy, <laughs> you're a little older than that. <laughs> but when you're, you know what I mean, in that 20, yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. But in that frame, you're like, I'm thinking money, 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 money. I'm just saying, like, when I'm working, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not thinking about how much time I have. I'm thinking about, like, making sure I've got enough money for this and this and this and all those kind of things. And, but then when you get older, like, all of a sudden time, like, becomes an, uh, uh, more important. Like, I want more vacation. You know, I, mean, I want more freedom in my time and, and all those kind of things. And that's just an example. But Kim and I, we reflected and, and uh, we sat down with Phil Patton, and he really challenged us. And I started thinking, like, what are we, what's the next 25? Like, I've lived two-thirds of my life. Like, I'm 51 years old. Like, I mean, just put things in perspective. First 25, second 25. If I get to 75, I'm a happy guy, right? I don't know about you, and some of you are over in 75. That's awesome, great. That's, that's amazing. Keep going. Let's go. But I'm just thinking, like, okay, 25 years. What's the next 25 years? I, I, I started thinking back, okay, what, 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 what you know, 25 years ago just seems like it was like that, you know, it's like, boom, like a blip. And so I'm going, oh, my gosh. So then I'm thinking forward to this 25 years. I'm like, there's certain things that I want to make sure that I'm investing my time and my, my life into, right? Are you guys with me? And this is healthy reflection. This is where it begins. All of you need to reflect. All of you need to sit down and go, what's the next 10 years look like for us? Nick and Sarah, what's the next 10 years look like for you guys? Katie and Tim, what's the next 10 years look like for you guys? These are great things to start sitting down and reflect on. How are we investing our time? Is there time for loving our neighbor in the mix of all of those priorities? And if there's not, then we need to weave that in. We have something that we say in business, if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. You know what I'm saying? Like if everything, like in, in a lot of times, everything's a hot project, everything has to get done right now, then nothing's a priority. And so we need to reconsider that. This is something for me, it's not everything is going to get done. And that has to be, uh, you know, we have to understand that. For me, some of my distractions is my house. I'll just be real and honest, is my house. It just takes a lot of time you know, I didn't know having five acres was going to take as much time and energy as it does. And it's there. And so I've kind of come to the terms where the list is always going to be there. You know what I mean? Like I just have to be at peace with the reality that I'm always going to have a list. There's always going to be projects that need to get done around the house. And so I've got to be willing to, yeah, I want to do these things this year, but if they don't get done, let's just make sure that I'm, I'm staying focused on the main things, right? The let the main things be the main things is what the book says keep the main thing the main thing are your priorities once you sit down and you start reflecting the question we should ask is are do our priorities line up with jesus and sit down and make a list and identify distractions 
I just kind of told you a few of mine. And some of those distractions are, are good things. Let's, I mean, let's not make them evil, okay? And it's not like we don't ever spend time on those, but let's just get real in terms of what are those things that are distractions in our lives and sort through those in a healthy way, right? Like Mary was distracted, or excuse me, Martha was distracted and Mary wasn't. And she chose the better thing. So we need to get out of the Martha syndrome and into the Mary syndrome a little bit, right? That's a good thing. Second thing, I'm going to go through these pretty quick. because Practice saying no. Practice saying no. We have to get good at saying no. And you're talking to a yes person. Like if I evaluated my last 25 years of my life, my problem is, is I was so afraid to say no. I was, I was afraid. And I said yes to some things that I shouldn't have said yes to. And it's not to say that we never say yes. I'm just saying that we have to get better at saying no. There's, when you start to prioritize your life and, around Jesus and, and eliminating hurry and, and eliminating some of these other things in our life, when you start to do that, you're going to have to say no to some things. right? Intentional living always creates tension and the need for difficult decisions. And you have to embrace that a little bit, right? you got to go, hey, because as soon as you set priorities, you know, this is the one thing, uh, reflecting about, uh, back on the reflection thing, when Kim and I reflected, the one truth that really stuck out of me in my, the reflection of the last 25 years of my life was if you don't intentionally live, life will live for you. Like it will force you down a path. And it might not be necessarily the path that you intended or the path that you wanted, but it will schedule your life for you. Does that make sense? And so that's why intentional living is, is important, right? Intentional living is so important, and we have to be intentional about how we live our lives and where we're investing our time, which is an, a precious gift, right? Time is a precious gift. I want to be faithful with the next 25 years of my life. I want you to be faithful with the next 25 years of life or however much time we have because we, ne- we don't know but we need to be intentional about living that out. Practice saying no, right? Eliminate the time stealers. Part of saying no is eliminating those things that steal and rob us of time. The third thing here, I have three of them written down. You can see them up on the one. Live intentionally around Jesus' priorities, practicing saying no, and embrace interruptions as a move of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Embrace interruptions as a move of the Holy Spirit. That gave everyone the willies, I'm sure. He's just like, Ugh. when does anyone come back and say like, man, I got interrupted five times today and it was awesome. My whole life. You know, I was, I was heading down this direction, and then all of a sudden I got interrupted, and it was the most beautiful thing. And I loved every second of it. <laughs> right? I mean, no, if you got interrupted five times in the day, you're like, ah! You know what I mean? Like, we're so freaking mad and angry and upset, and we're frustrated, and we didn't get to accomplish anything today, you know? Maybe you weren't supposed to accomplish anything today. Embrace interruptions as the move of the Holy Spirit. I love one of my... Good people, if you want to, uh, I love following Brian Blount on Facebook. I, he's he's a, a fellow uh, vineyard pastor out in um, 
Oklahoma, I believe it is. And uh, he has all these testimonies about how he got interrupted and this thing happened and this thing happened and this broke down, right? And how God used that as a God encounter to, to, to love his neighbor. Like, I mean, so when you get interrupted or when you get a flat tire or when things don't go your way, ask your question, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Because there's maybe someone that you're supposed to be encountering. I had a really cool story that I heard um, Todd White shared and, and, um, about something that happened with him where he, he, he uh, injured his um, ACL, and he had seen so many ACLs healed, and he had prayed for them, and it was really cool, and it was a lot of kingdom breakthrough. But he prayed for his leg, and it never got healed. And so, and so he was like, he asked the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go to the doctor. And so he goes to the doctor, and he said, I want you to go through the surgery. And so he's going through the surgery, and while he's in surgery, he has all these counters with people, and they end up getting healed. And he had to go through all the surgery. We just, what's the point? The point is, is God is really good at what he does. He's so good at it. And sometimes he needs us to take a rabbit trail. And we just need to embrace it. Everybody go like this. Embrace it. Do that. Embrace it. Thank you, Jesus, for this interruption. <laughs> say it with me. Thank you, Jesus, for this interruption. You guys say it. Say, now you won't forget that, though, will you? I know that's dumb. I get it. See, that's why, so, but now you understand, because now you just did a little action with it, right? Embrace, right? Embrace the move of the Holy Spirit. Real quick, I'm going to finish with this. Why don't the worship team, if you can come on up. I want to give you some practical connections with your neighbors. One, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And, it, you know, so about your neighbors, you got your eight people around you or whatever. Um, go share with them your phone number. Just say, hey, if you ever have an emergency, now listen, everyone freaks out about that, I know. I'm, not, I'm just, I, I quit freaking out about that. If someone calls me and I'm in the middle of something, I just don't answer the phone. I th <laughs> that's my prerogative, okay? But I can share with them my phone number. So just share with them your phone number and say, I didn't say share with them your location. I just said share with them your phone number, okay? So don't freak out. Share with them and say, hey, if you ever need something or if you get in a jam or you're away from your house and you need me to help you, hey, I will, you know, I can do that. You know, that's just a cool thing that you could do with your neighbors, right? Just a little entryway into making conversation, right? Um, take walks in your neighborhood and look to see if any neighbors are outside and stop and chat, right? That's, that's, not, that's a revolutionary idea. Share your cookies. These are good, beautiful things, right? Just, you, 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 duh. it's okay, Parker. Where's Parker? Oh, I lost Parker. Some of you are cookie monsters, right? You're like, no, I'm not sharing my cookies, right? Just share like maybe one or two, you know what I mean? I like my cookies too. Purposely let your horses out. Yeah, that's what the Richters do. I don't, I've met more of my neighbors. I did not purposely let the horses out, but the horses got out like two or three. Our horses have got out two or three times, and it's all my neighbors came running to our, our help, and I got to meet all of our neighbors, like, like the guy across the street, and this guy, and you know, and they're all, and we look ridiculous, we look like idiots, like, what the heck are you doing, why did your horses get out, you know, but they just kept loving on us, and didn't condemn us at all, it was a beautiful thing, so, amen, amen, let's stand up, we're going to worship a little bit.